0: The following speaker share from Ken was recorded on November 9th, 2023. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Ken, and thank you for having me back here. Uh, It's a privilege to be invited. This is my fourth time, so I feel very, very privileged to be back here to share to everybody and i'm i'm going to have a little bit of a different share tonight i don't like to repeat myself and i've been here already three times so different sides of my story many of you have already heard so i thought i would do something a little bit different tonight uh as i said earlier i'm not feeling 100% i went away this last weekend uh i i've create traditions in my life not necessarily liking all the traditions i grew up with i've created all these these fake holidays that are now real holidays for me and my family and my friends. And one of the things I do every fall is I go camping on one of the Channel Islands. And this year I was able to recruit a few people from fellowship, which was just amazing. It was like, it was like a functional family. It was very nice to be be with people having a sober weekend, everyone contributing, sharing, getting along well. Uh, whether we were hiking, whether we were kayaking, or whether at night we were just sitting on the dock in the dark in a circle just having a uh, uh, kind of an unofficial crosstalk meeting. It was just really, really amazing. And uh, was wonderful, but when I came home, there was some uh, personal tragedy in my family that has kind of thrown me for a little bit of a loop, and I've been kind of trying to, to deal with a little bit of grief and a little bit of depression this week, and I know that I need to take care of myself and just roll with it, not not wallow in it, not, not try to avoid it, but to just feel it and go through it, and that's where I am, and I was so looking forward to this and just my my energy level this isn't what i want it to be tonight but i'm going to do my best to to give you my share and discuss the things that that, that work for me that hopefully work for every that work for everybody else and uh I want to talk a lot about literature tonight and importance of the ACA literature and specifically not like all the ACA literature. ACA has a lot of literature and kind of my understanding that, you know, AA hasn't changed too much. They've done some uh some revisions of the big book over the years, but, but they haven't really thrown a lot of new stuff into the program. And the same with NA and other programs. But ACA keeps reinventing the wheel. They've added the laundry list workbook, and then they added the Loving Parent guide uh, guidebook, which is amazing. A uh, little bit of an oxymoron there because ACA is supposed to be a 12-step program and not therapy. but. The Loving Parent Guidebook is one hundred percent therapy. I'm a therapist, and I read it, and I can see where all the different psychotherapies have been combined and rebranded to ACA terms, and it's it's wonderful. But there's a lot of literature out there, and what I want to talk about tonight specifically is to really narrow it down to the meat of the matter, and what are the what are the pieces of literature that actually really push, push. what are the the pieces of literature that actually push us into action? Because remember, the solution says that it's a program of action coming from love. So I really do believe that that we need to be into action. And there's some literature that really speaks to me that I believe is very beneficial for for putting recovery into action. And even though I work in a substance abuse field, I totally push ACA on everybody because ACA really is at the core of most people's use. Uh, I'm not here representing my employer tonight but these are my views and these are the things that I bring up when I'm at work. Uh, I'm really, really big on coping tools. I, I think the more coping tools we have, the, the the better we're going to be getting through life. And like I said, I'm kind of dealing with some depression this week. I have a whole bunch of coping tools to work with. And you know, part of it is, is knowing who to reach out to and who not to reach out to and how to reach out. And and how to connect with my higher power through this whole thing and allow myself to go through the punches. So I have I have the coping tools to, to get me there and, and to work through that. Um, I really think that with literature, and this is where it kind of like less is more, I know some people that will read one self-help book after another. They'll go from one video to another. I get messages from people all the time. Have you seen this video yet? Have you seen that video yet? And there's so much good information out there, but how much do you really absorb if you're going from one to the next to the next to the next? Do you allow yourself to digest it and to put it in action? And that's kind of my big thing. Is it's like slow down a little bit and take what you've had. Um, I'm a fast eater. In my family, it's like if if I wanted to uh, get seconds, I had to I had to eat quickly. So I'm a fast eater, and I catch myself today like reaching for food before I've finished swallowed what's in my mouth, and I realize that's not the way to eat. I need to enjoy what I have, whether it be just a mouthful of food or a candy bar a piece of chocolate cake whatever it is to enjoy it while i have it and and then move on to the next piece and i think that's kind of the same thing with literature I, i think a lot of people tend to move on too quickly and slowing down and allowing yourself to read and see less of this information and internalize it and actually put it into action is is more beneficial and um so I want to talk a little bit about, about bicycling, because bicycling is a big part of my life, and it's, it's, it's an analogy that I like to use with this. And I like to think of the ACAs. And in in my circles, there's three ACAs. There's the Affordable Care Act, there's Adventure Cycling Association, and there's Adult Children of Alcoholics. And if I want to go for a bike ride, I can look up Adventure Cycling Association, Uh, They have maps and their maps will tell you the elevation and how far it is between bike stores and where all the water is along the way, where to get groceries. Everything is kind of mapped out for you. So I can get this. I can watch videos of people that, that do this, what they pack, what they don't pack. I can do all this stuff. But if I don't actually hop on my bike and start training and seeing what works for me, then I could be heading towards disaster and my trip won't last very long. And this is what I see with a lot of people that come into recovery. They jump in too much with all this information, but they don't put it in action and they burn out really quickly and fall out of recovery. So I've met a lot of cyclists who have done this, who have jumped on their bike with all this head full of information, but not really understanding what it's like to embark on a huge trip and they only last a few days and then they give up or maybe they get to a campsite and they've never set their tent up before and they find out that they're missing a pole or that their rainfly wasn't packed or that something broke on their bicycle and they weren't able to fix it and they didn't have the tools and i think this is so important that that in recovery we need to pace ourselves and start the practice to put the practice in action I recently did a trip um, that I've been planning on doing for a year, and I was doing it with a friend, and my friend's responsibility was to plan London. We were going to London with our bicycles and riding them to Amsterdam, and he was in charge of the London part of the trip. I was in charge of routing the trip through the rest of Europe and arranging the places we were going to stay, and a month before the trip, he fell off his bike and broke his wrist. So not able to slide. Using my tools, I knew that I was going to have a good trip no matter what. And hopefully he would too. We had to switch to plan B. So instead of panicking, instead of catastrophizing, instead of personalizing that, you know, crap happens to me, let's talk about plan B and he wasn't sure he was going to do any of the trip at all, and I was a little freaked out about the London thing because that's not the part that I had planned. Fortunately enough, he met me in London, and we were able to do everything that we had planned on doing in London, and then at um, one point, I basically broke trails with him and headed off to mainland Europe on my bicycle, and I was really successful with this trip. As much as I missed having my friend with me, because I had all these recovery tools with me along the way, and part of it was I—I I knew it was ahead. I knew the route. I—I I was familiar. A uh, couple times I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to be staying at night, but I knew I had the resources one way or another uh, to to get somewhere. And my mantra is: I always get where I where I'm going. You know, always. And that that reminds me that to be connected with my higher power, that even though I was by myself and I was on a lot of lonely roads, uh, Google had me in England on these busy two-way highways where cars were going about 50 miles an hour and there was no shoulder and there was no side of the road I could pull off on. It was solid hedge. And I'm riding in the middle trying to take up the lane so cars don't try to pass me. And I'm looking in my mirror and I'm reminding myself, Why are you looking in your mirror? If a car is going to hit you, it's going to hit you. Seeing it in your mirror is not going to save your life or change anything. But I had faith and, and I ended up having an awesome trip. And the moral of the story, though, is I I used my my tools. I used my my recovery tools along the way. And when I felt like I needed to be connected with other people, it was really easy for me to just take out my phone and text other people and, and feel connected with people, uh, whether it be back home or friends that I have in Europe. And I really feel recovery is like that, too. We need to be connected with each other. The opposite of addiction is connection. And the more connected we are, I believe the the easier it is for us to recover. And I think that's what made the weekend, this last weekend, so successful, is how well connected we were with each other. So as far as the literature is concerned, I like to start with the ACA serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can and the wisdom to know that one is me because I cannot control people, places, things, or situations. And this is something that goes back to the the three don'ts, don't talk, don't feel, don't trust. When we don't trust, we try to control everything around us because what we control is what we trust. And if we cannot control, we cannot trust. And learning to let go of that, which is an important part of the steps, which I'll talk about in a minute, to me is paramount. And I have to remind myself that when I'm upset or upset with another person, and I'm not getting the response from them I want, or they're not acting the way I want them to to act, that I have to remind myself that they are who they are, and I have to allow them to be who they are. The only person that I'm responsible for is myself. And I work with so many people that know the regular ACA serenity Prayer, And when I mentioned the ACA went to them, it's almost like you can just see the light bulb go off in their head because there's so much clarity that comes out of that. So that's one piece of literature that I really, really like. Uh, I think the laundry list is a really good identifier for whether or not you go to ACA. And it doesn't matter which version of the laundry list, the laundry list the the other laundry list, the workplace laundry list. I think these are the identifiers. And I know a lot of people that don't think that they had alcoholic parents or they didn't have dysfunction, but man, they're all over that laundry list. So I think that laundry list is a really good qualifier, but then I think ACA is all about making that list obsolete. So where I like to use the laundry list as, as a tool Is In review, looking at each of the traits and asking myself or asking my patients or whoever on a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, uh, 10 being really intensely relating to that trait and 0 not at all, what progress has there been? If you've been in the program six months, if you've been in the program a year, if you've been in the program 10 years, can you look at that trait and say, I was at a 10 when I came in the program and I'm still at a 10? Because if that's the case, you know there's 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 some tools that aren't being used. There's uh, maybe some isolation that's still going on. Because I really I really think that if we follow the simple guidance, not like hundreds of self help books, but just the simple guidance of what's in front of us, mostly in the red book, that we will see a huge reduction in our reactivity and identification with these individual traits. And I think it's amazing when people look at their their laundry list and can say, you know, these are things that I used to react to before, but now I let it go. Now I, I, I don't have to control everything. I don't have to catastrophize, personalize, minimize any of this stuff. So what's the road to get there? The road to get there, of course, is the steps. And this is one of the things with all the literature out there that I think sometimes we fail to realize that we kind of get so mesmerized by all the other literature. And now like the Loving Parent Guidebook, which is just amazing, but it can mesmerize people and take their focus off the steps. And I think the steps are, are, are very important. And I've recon- uh, conceptualized the steps for myself in a way that... I think it makes it more palatable for me and for other people. And I look at the steps as a ladder, a ladder with 12 runs. And we all start out in the muck. Unfortunately, if we've been in this muck all our life, it is our normal. And they say in Al-Anon that normal is just a setting on your dryer. But we're in this muck and this is all we know. And we think this is all there is. And we have no desire to get out of it because we don't know What is beyond the muck? And the muck is safe. We might not like it, but it's safe. So the first step is climbing up the first rung. And this is when we say that, you know, we admit that we're powerless and our life is unmanageable. And in the latter scenario, it's basically being on that rung, being high enough to be out of that muck to say, holy crap. I've been in muck all this time. That's the realization. That's, you you, you can't progress in any program until you admit that there's a problem. And this is being at that place where you're above the problem a little clear enough to see it for what it is and say, holy crap, I've been swimming in this muck all this time. Step two came to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore us to sanity. Well, either God gave you this ladder and God's watching over you as you're climbing up the ladder. Or if you have difficulty believing in God, maybe God is the ladder. Maybe that ladder is the structure and the power greater than yourself that you're going to be able to use to climb out of the muck. And step three is when you make the decision that you're going to take the journey to go up the ladder. Step four is when you realize that you are Carrying a backpack with you of muck. And this is all the family dysfunction, all the trauma, all the hurt, all the pain. And in step four, we give ourselves a break and we stop for a while and maybe a long while to pace ourselves. And what we do is we take an inventory of what that muck is that we're carrying with us. And in step five, we share that inventory. And sometimes there's a lot of pain and shame with what we've been carrying around a lot. But by sharing this with other people is a way to get rid of the pain and the shame in step six and seven we realize that we don't need to carry these character defects or survival traits around with us any longer and this is where we are able to let go of those and drop them back into the muck to where they came from so the farther up we climb this ladder the lighter our load gets and the easier recovery gets after we dump all this shit back into the muck. Uh, step 8 and 9 is cleaning up our side of the street, and steps 10, 11, and 12 are getting to the top of that ladder. And at the top of that ladder is serenity. And in ACA, we call that emotional recovery. And my definition of emotional recovery is not getting bad hurt over stupid shit. So if you could say it in a nutshell, like I said, less is more. The whole goal of ACA is to get to a point where you don't get butthurt over stupid shit. You live a life of peace and harmony with yourself and with everyone around you. And that simplified version of the steps, which I just, I I usually spend more time to conceptualize. But that's in the basis, the simplest form of, of how we recover. And that's what I love about working the steps is that it gives you the time to get to know yourself, to take that inventory and look at not only the muck and the crud that you've been carrying with you, but some of the good stuff that you've had, too, that maybe you've forgotten, the hidden gems in your life that were just so deeply buried in the muck that once you rub the muck off of it and you see all this amazing stuff you realize that maybe there were some good times in your life maybe there were some really amazing things that happened that you lost sight of we know with neuroscience that that good memories are stored in a different place than bad memories bad memories are stored in a very very special place because if something horrific happened to us we need to remember that as a way to get out of dodge if something triggers this memory again. This is the fight, flight, freeze mode, or some people now call it the fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode, and that's where memories are stored here in the midbrain, and a lot of times we forget about all this good stuff that's up here. It gets buried. So that's another positive thing about working the steps. If anybody here has any severe trauma to where you have that hypervigilance, whether through PTSD or or CPTSD, I strongly recommend that in addition to working the program, that you also get some type of therapy uh, that does trauma reprocessing, uh, either like EMDR or psychodrama, because those are also tools that help you get through and digest uh, your your program a lot quicker. if if going through a program is digesting stuff and absorbing all the good stuff, doing EMDR, psychodrama, or trauma reprocessing is like taking the antacid that's going to allow you to do that. And I've never thought of that analogy before until tonight. Uh, I love the original Bill of Rights. It was not approved, I don't think, by WSO. There's a new version that is. And I think both both versions speak to different people differently. And what I like about the old ACA Bill of Rights is uh, that it speaks to the newcomer coming into the meeting. If if it's your first time in a meeting and you're insecure and you're not feeling very um, very good about being there, hearing you know you you will have. Uh, security. You will have, uh, you know, fun and happiness in your life. Hearing that is very welcoming. Uh, A lot of us grew up in families where all we heard all our life was me, me, me. We had parents that were very selfish and everything was about them. And hearing a lot of, well, I get to do this and I get to change my mind and I'm the parent. So when I hear the, the new version, which starts with the word I, I think it's very empowering for some people to say that themselves. But when I hear that in a meeting, it kind of reminds me a lot of the different things I heard in my life that um, that reminded me of uh, my insignificance in the family. And I don't want newcomers in meetings to feel insignificant. I want them to feel like they're the most important thing. So I prefer the, the old uh, ACA Bill of Rights. The ACA Promises. I love the promises, although I have a hard time with promise number 12. Gradually, with our higher powers help, we will learn to expect the best and get it. I have a hard time with that because in working step three, I think we learn or I've learned to Not have expectations. Expectations are resentments waiting to happen. And resentments are the things that are part of the muck that we're carrying with us that are our survival traits, that anger. And I don't need to build any more resentments or anger in my life. And I can think back in my life as, you know, as a kid, there were a lot of times where I had expectations that things were going to happen. I was told that, you know, hey, you know, we're going to go to the movies this weekend, or we're going to have ice cream for dessert or something. And a lot of times it didn't happen. So having expectations was a bad thing, because it led to disappointment. And I think expecting the, you know, relying on God to expect the best and then assuming that I'm going to get it, uh in Europe came up to me a lot. It's like, you know, I'm expecting this amazing trip, and my friend got hurt. So I had to realize like, I can't, I can't expect. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what way the wind's going to be blowing. I don't know if it's going to be raining. I don't know if there's going to be an earthquake here in California and I'm going to have to come back. I don't know what's going to happen. So for myself, I have reworded promise number. Um 12 to gradually with my higher powers help, I will learn to accept the best when I get it. Because as a child, I was so used to not getting the best. And when I got it, I didn't feel like I deserved it. And I see this as a huge pattern with a lot of the people that I work with, that when they get a compliment, they get uh, praise at work, they, they get a promotion, something good comes their way. They don't think they deserve it. They cannot accept that best when it comes to them. And I think for me, what works best with that literature, and I, I think this is the really good thing about literature, it doesn't have to be WSO approved to work for you. If if there's literature that you really like, but you need to tweak it in order to work for you, do it, okay? Because this, this is a selfish program, and this is how we take care of ourselves by, by doing what works. So for me, accepting the best when I get it. And I have to tell you, in the end, I had the most amazing trip in Europe. I was sad that my friend was not with me. And there were a lot of times I'd be somewhere and I'd be feeling like, damn, it's too bad that I, I can't share this with him. But I had an amazing time. You know, it's going to go down in the books as, as as another awesome trip because I didn't have the expectations. And everything that came ended up being wonderful. Maybe not perfect maybe not the way that I wanted it to go. I had a couple days of rain. I had some headwinds, but you know what? I accepted everything as it came to me. And because of that, it was a great trip. And then the last bit of literature I wanna uh, cover is the solution. I love reading the solution. Love reading the solution. I just think that there's just so much hope and positive growth in, in the solution. Uh, But there's a lot of fluff in there, too. So I've narrowed it down, and I'm going to read to you what I call is, is my solution. And this is my summarized version of the solution. So my solution. My solution is to become my own loving parent. I work a spiritual program based on action coming from love. The healing began when I risked moving out of isolation. I learned to keep the focus on myself in the here and now. I take responsibility for my own life and supply my own parenting with gentleness, humor, love, and respect. Simple. Uh, the solution is to become my own loving parent. Whenever I, I read the solution at work, we always stop right there. And I say, if you're going to stop somewhere, that's that's really all you need to know. That is the basis of it. Because when we start taking care of ourselves, life gets a lot better. And I know a lot of us have been taking care of ourselves in the world for forever and ever and ever, our whole life. But are we really taking care of ourselves if we're taking care of everyone else? So sometimes we have to kind of redefine what it means to take care of ourselves. Uh, as a parent, there's there's two two things that we're responsible for as a parent. Number one, providing. Security and safety to our children. And the second thing is to provide loving, supportive guidance and direction. And if we don't have those, we end up in ACA. This is what we need to learn to do to ourselves. We need to learn to give ourselves that sense of security and safety. And we need to give ourselves that loving guidance. And, you know, a lot of it is actually out there around us. And we just have to open our eyes and ears to be able to absorb the the, the positive people, the positive things that are happening to us. And that's one way that we give it to ourselves is allowing ourselves to be there for that. Uh, I work a spiritual program based on action coming from love. Um, we have to learn to love ourselves and we have to learn to put things in action. Uh, The analogy about the bike riding, the people that look at the maps and watch all the videos, that is an action step. But they only take it that far, and then there's no action. And in recovery, I know a lot of people that only do virtual meetings and they leave their cameras off and they're dusting and washing their dishes and, you know, mowing the lawn or doing whatever. And they're not connecting with other people. They're they're, they're hearing it, but they're not putting the action in by connecting with other people. They don't reach out to fellow travelers or get a sponsor. They don't start doing the work, which is the action. And if any of you have really dug in and done the work, you know what i'm saying because you get you get the rewards when you do that so spiritual program based on action coming from love the healing began when i risked moving out of isolation okay it's really really hard we we feel really comfortable in our isolation at times uh, our isolation is what we know. My isolation is what I knew. And it's scary to come out of that. And action doesn't necessarily mean that, that all of a sudden you, you run a marathon. Action means that maybe you just need to crack the door open a little bit one day, crack it open a little bit farther the next day. But that's where progress, not perfection comes in, right? I learned to keep the focus on myself in the here and now. I can't get mad at my boss. I can't, you know, blame my parents for what happened to me, you know, and maybe horrible things did happen to me, but you know what? It's how I handle it that counts today. It's what I do with those memories today. It's what I do with my feelings today. I can't point my finger at other people because if I'm pointing my finger at other people and blaming, then, then I'm not healing. And that's another piece of literature that I really love. In the the big red book, there's a a page of affirmations. And one of them is, name it, don't blame it. Uh, I learned to keep the focus. Okay, uh, I take responsibility for my own life. And I supply my own parenting with gentleness, humor, love, and respect. You know, we've all been too hard on ourselves for too long.